Hey y'all, welcome back to the Tribe Podcast. Today's episode is called A Culture of Despair. And as we wrap up summer and we get back into the routine of school, this is going to be a two-part series about mental health. Today is just sort of laying the foundation for next week's episode where I have one of my sweetest friends on to share her story about mental health and how it's played a role in her calling in life. That will be an episode you don't want to miss, so make sure you tune back in next Monday. But for today, let's get into it. Despair, by definition, is to lose, give up, or be without hope. When I think of despair, I initially think of addiction, probably because it's been so heavily woven through my own story. My husband has been in recovery for almost 12 years, so for most of our lives together, it has been centered around getting clean and making good, God-honoring choices related to drugs and alcohol. I asked my husband, who is the co-founder and COO of Freedom Recovery, which is a faith-based drug and alcohol recovery facility, about the greatest indicators of a lifestyle of self-medicating. He said early exposure, misused or misplaced love, resentments, unmet expectations, unresolved trauma, and all forms of abuse can lead to self-medicating. You know, it's no secret that mental health has been a big topic in our culture. Over the years, rates of drug use and suicide and people admitted into psychiatric facilities or rehab treatment centers has increased. And while COVID certainly didn't help with the startling statistics out there, we have an opportunity to break this cycle and to be a part of the solution. The definition of mental health is psychological well-being and satisfactory adjustment to society and to the ordinary demands of life. So it's a field of medicine where what we're really talking about is a person's well-being and their ability to adjust to society. There is a whole team of researchers and nurses, doctors, psychiatrists, counselors, psychologists out there that are completely dedicated to this epidemic. And while I'm certainly no professional on this topic, I don't have any of the fancy letters behind my name. If you'll let me, I want to share my experience and then go back to scripture and look at who God says we are. So mental health is twofold, or at least that's the way that I think about it in my own mind. It starts with caring for ourselves and our own well-being. It's kind of like when we're on an airplane And if you have kids, you'll understand this. But when you're on the airplane and you have your kids, before the plane takes off, the flight attendant tells the parents that if the plane crashes, use the oxygen mask for yourself before you put it on your kids. Those are the instructions because as parents, we have to fill up with what we need before we can help our kids. I was doing a little research and I found a statistic that said that these masks on airplanes became a thing in the 1950s. So for over 70 years, this has been an important principle when flying. And I think it's really applicable to our own daily lives and our own walk. You know, for me, this looks like waking up early. Sometimes I even beat my husband. I make my coffee I watch the sun come up and I listen to the birds chirping outside. 
What I'm doing is I'm intentionally creating a space and a time to be with the Lord with no distractions. It's before my kids wake up, the dog is still sleeping, and it's just me and God doing our thing. The second part of mental health is caring for other people and their well-being. It's the tribe mindset and the environment that we're cultivating when we are willing to share the hard parts of our story and the struggles that we have. It's consistency and intentionality as we take steps to come together and break the chain of this culture of despair. Y'all, our relationships are only going to be as strong and as healthy as we are vulnerable. So when we decide to walk inside our own story and we take the time to properly heal from our own trauma, we have the opportunity to play a part in someone else's growth and healing. Y'all have heard me talk about Jim Crest before. He is somebody who is really doing the work of God. He is a well-known Christian counselor. He does a lot of work with Lisa Turkers, and he says, what you don't work out, you'll act out. Wow, this is so true because when I think of the horrible advice that I have given my friends in my years of living an unhealthy life, the advice was worldly and it was feelings-based, but as I've taken the steps to heal in my own life, I'm no longer acting out. The advice that I give friends now, and just to clarify, no, I don't just give advice without someone asking, is completely rooted in God's word. It's his truths that I use to comfort my friends and my family when they need it. But I'm able to do this because I've worked out the hard parts of my own life. And let me be so clear here. This side of eternity, I will continue to have work to do. But I love celebrating how far I've come and what God has done in my life. One of my favorite things about God is that he knows what we're lacking in our relationships. If you've been a loyal listener, you heard it in my previous episode about God filling in our relationship gaps. I have this friend that God has intentionally placed in my life who has had many of the same body image struggles that I've had. We are both in a season of healing now, but it's been a work in progress. Had we never decided to go deep and to be vulnerable in our own struggles, and we just had what I would call a social media or a surface level friendship, we would have missed the opportunity that God put before us. And that opportunity is to point each other back to Jesus as we navigate our own way, you know, through healing and processing our body image troubles and discussing triggers God is so cool like that. And it's something that I don't take for granted. You know, when we talk about mental health, it would be inappropriate and irresponsible to not talk about social media. So I'm going to hit that briefly. For a couple of years, I wasn't on any social media platform. In fact, I felt God very clearly telling me that it was time to take a break. It was during this break that I had some really serious relationship trauma happening. So instead of scrolling on social media, I was digging into my Bible. Instead of feeling left out on social media, I was meeting with Barb, my Christian counselor. You know, social media in and of itself isn't inherently good or bad. It's how we choose to use it that creates the experience for us. 
And in this current season of my life, I am healthier than I've ever been. So putting this ministry on Instagram works for me right now. But three years ago, it would not have because I would scroll and compare and obsess over what I was seeing. And if you identify with any of these feelings, I would recommend taking a break. There are many times in scripture where we see people taking breaks from relationships. And let's be honest, that's what social media feels like. It's a lot of little superficial relationships. But here's the thing that I'll say about social media. We cannot find our identity in the number of followers or likes we have. We have to find our identity and who God says we are, which is chosen and loved and set apart. We were not created for superficial relationships. It is God's desire that we do relationships in an intimate way. You know, all throughout scripture, we read about who God says we are. He says that we are the apple of his eye. We are blessed. We are loved. We are covered. We are chosen and we have been set apart. When I think of someone who is doing this mental health thing well, I think of my husband as the owner of a faith-based drug and alcohol recovery facility. He sees the best and the worst of the industry. In fact, we get to celebrate huge milestones, 10, 20, 30 years of recovery, but we also attend funerals. None of that changes the mission that my husband is on. In fact, as someone in recovery himself, he wakes up every morning to do his part in encouraging and leading the staff and the clients that we treat. But before he can do any of that, he does the hard work on himself. Almost 12 years ago, he made the choice to get clean. He walked away from relationships and places that he used to frequent. He now has a Christian counselor. He's plugged in and he serves with like-minded people at our church. We lead a couple's small group. He spends every morning in God's word. And he does this so that he can fill himself up and then pour out the love of Jesus to those that he encounters every day. He shares his testimony of how God has protected him in his season of using and recovery. And he does this to encourage others. He's vulnerable. He's real. And he's allowing God to use him and to use his story. Y'all, as we wrap up today's episode, I hope you feel encouraged. What I want you to hear is that we have to start replacing the lies of the enemy with the truth of scripture. It's choosing God's word over what the world says. We are all original. There is no one else out there that is like you or like me. When God created us, he made us all different. And there is so much beauty in that. You are an original. Write that on a post-it note and put it on your mirror or somewhere you'll see it every day. If you have kids, put it on a post-it note for them and put it up in their bedroom. Let it remind you of who God says you are. Rest in the sweet comfort of knowing that the God of the universe thought that the world needed one of you. So he knit you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a story. God is not done with you. Let's make heaven crowded. 
I'm praying for y'all and I'll see you next week.